Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 107 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Bex. Hey, how you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, enjoying the sunshine, wishing I still lived in a castle. <laughs> uh, yes, you might have to explain that. <laughs> uh, I, I got whisked away for a surprise couple of days, uh, staying in a castle with a moat around it, with a view from the toilet that was better than any view in my house, and now I wish to become a Game of Thrones character and live in a castle. <laughs> the fact I also did some falconry this year, and I've played archery tag, if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, I saw some photos of you fun. doing that. What Are you shooting at each other with arrows? Is that what this is? Yeah, but with big foam things on the end and the arrows, uh, you know, obviously the bows aren't the most high-powered ones you can get, but you yes. can still get some fair whack on them. Uh, obviously lots of safety equipment and um yeah i i now wish to also own a dragon live in a castle and run around doing archery tag <laughs> yeah you see you you redeemed yourself by saying you've done archery and falconry otherwise i could accuse you of wanting to be a disney princess <laughs> yeah no i don't think that's ever been an issue for me <laughs> no i'm no, gonna I be guess. honest <laughs> No. Space, a space pirate, maybe. Space pirate, maybe, in a castle. In a space castle. <laughs> yeah, with space dragon. <laughs> Just put space in front of anything, it makes it better, generally. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so space apart RPG, from- Mass Effect. <laughs> yes, we shall come on to Mass Effect in a moment. Um, so what have you been doing the last few weeks, other than living in a castle? Uh, other than living all the medieval, not quite space dreams, um, I've been very, very heavily involved in mo- watching more Legion. Yes because that is just continuing to be incredible. I was wrong about some things um, with my predictions. Yes. That I'd put up. Um, the, the last episode, I won't say anything to anyone, but there's so many things, so many amazing things just happened in the last episode. They are moving the plot forward at quite a pace now. Yeah, it, it was interesting because I got the press release through for, because uh, they put the preview episode up like the day before um, yeah, up on the press that's site. When I saw it. And I couldn't say anything for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, so we got we got the preview thing and the the press release that came through from Fox was like, do not say anything. There's some major, major things in this episode. And we're like, well, they weren't kidding, you know? <laughs> so, oh, no, they were just kind of like, here, we'll just drop this bomb. Here, we'll just do this. Here, we'll just... It was just, yeah, every time I think it's slowing down, it yeah. turns around and it just goes... And here you go. Boom. Yeah. Um, I'm so impressed with Legion. If they can keep up this level of quality, this level of incredible directing and unique approach to things. Yeah. It's 
I'm going to upgrade it from the best ever X-Men TV thing to the best ever TV thing in this race. <laughs> it's so brilliantly put together and you sort of feel like you shouldn't be able to follow it. That's always the thing. And, and I, I think that's a testament to how well it's written and how well they put the whole thing together is that you can and you can follow what's going on because it it's just it's such a mind-bending experience watching that show because it's it seems like it's kind of all over the place and it does give you the feeling that you are inside the guy's head and which is sort of what i guess it's supposed to do it but it, it's just so well strung together and i like the fact that it's it's what eight episodes i think this first season it's not long it's compressed and and there's no filler that it's just I'm brilliant. I'm, I'm so impressed with this show. They've been so brave with the choices. They've had these ideas that normally you expect people to dismiss and say, no, that's a bit out there. That's a bit unusual. That doesn't... Changing the pacing or changing the way this, this episode's filmed just because it's in a different setting, that would be a bit jarring. They've gone, nope, that suits it. That fits the narrative. Yeah. Do it. Regardless of how crazy it would sound if you just put it on paper, no, try it. And it it's worked every time. Every gamble they've, they've played has worked really well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, such an impressive show that, and, and considering you know it's an X Men spin off, uh, it, I mean it just doesn't feel like any other show out there, which I think is probably its greatest testament. You know, it's not like any other superhero show. It's not like any other show. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm so impressed with that. What else have you been, do- been doing? Um, I've been going to some gamer disco events. If you've ever heard of them. No, uh, go they on. run sort of retro retro gaming things in London. They have a few different venues, including the book club, and they do things like letting indie developers come along and show their games, and you can play games. And they also do tournaments and things for games. So we had a Sonic Sonic Speed Run where you had to do the first episode of Sonic One as fast as you could to win prizes. <laughs> things That's like very that. cool. Yeah. Good fun, good fun. Um, quite enjoyed that. Between that and all, all, all the castles and taking over the world, um, that's taken up a reasonable amount of my time. Um, been greatly enjoying the Flash still as well. Yes, yeah, the Flash is he's been good. I'm loving it's, Legends of Tomorrow as well. Uh, Legends. Yeah, is... I, I still haven't gone back to Legends. I've completely dropped Arrow and Supergirl. <sighs> I wasn't a fan of, although it had some good casting. But people are saying that it is getting better now. It's now it's under CW. But I haven't really got back into that one apart from the crossover episodes. But yeah. I... <sighs> People keep saying I should go back to Legends. Yes, Legends. I Legends definitely has become sometimes my favourite, sometimes my second favourite. It's jostling with Flash, really, for top spot. Mm. But um, it, it's... I just I love it because it's completely bonkers and they're not afraid to go kind of slightly crazy do some things which really shouldn't work to a supernatural level you know when supernatural does those shows where it really feels like it it should have kind of jumped the shark and doesn't you know mm. when when they go very meta like they end up in a TV show that's a show called supernatural and and they've had sort of episodes like that where you know they've ended up on a on a hospital drama is some sort of like you know psychic event or things like that when that that sort of stuff happens and they do similar things to that in legends where they're playing with pop history and that sort of stuff where they did things with having george lucas not to make star wars and indiana jones and that affects two of the characters you know there's there's sort of stuff okay. in it like, there's stuff in it like that because the idea being that nate and ray were both 
equally affected by Indiana Jones because it made uh, Nate want to become an archaeologist and Ray because Star Wars made him want to become a scientist. So when George Lucas doesn't make those films, they start to lose their abilities to think in the way that they have been because those films no, no longer existed to inspire them. So it's stuff like that that they're sort of throwing in which I really enjoy and it's sort of fun and slightly frivolous in places. And I, I really, I, I think it's such well-crafted, slightly silly and slightly out there show, but it's just glorious fun. And, and that's what I like about it. And uh, Flash has got a little bit more serious in places, but I still think it's, it's well-written and it's got that fun element to it as well. So, you know. I, I love Disco so much in Flash. Yeah. And they're giving him more screen time and giving his character more, more development. And he's crush on, oh, I've forgotten her name, Gypsy. Uh, Gypsy, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so, he's so relatable. He is exactly how so many of us would be if thrown into that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do love like, him. Yeah, Cisco's brilliant. Um, I'm liking the storyline. There was one thing which came out, which I think we mentioned last week, which is that the villain for next season is not going to be a speedster for the first time, which I, I think is probably a good move because it just gets... There's, there's so many speedsters now, which is because, you know, that there are in the Flash universe. Everyone's a captain or a speedster. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, they are doing the right thing by moving slightly away from that formula. But they must be running out of speeches by now anyway yeah yeah i think that's probably the case there is only so many you can put in so um yeah yeah i i, I think that's going to be interesting for for next season as well so i but i am still loving those shows i am watching arrow arrow's been definitely a lot better this season than it was last season and uh yeah supergirl has massively improved moving on to the cw i would like to see her folded into the properly into the rest of the cw universe rather than her having because she's still on her separate like you know plane of existence mm -hmm. or whatever so i i would like to see uh, her folded in properly too, isn't she uh yes i think i'm not sure oh. She, oh, she, no. Mm. no she can't be because they've used no that's where the other speeds are from that's where um yeah Jess from yeah, so it's like Earth, Earth 3 or something or 4 or, yeah. or whatever it is. But yeah, so I mean, I would like to see them fold her in somehow. Maybe some sort of crisis event to do that. But it's fine. I, I just, I would like to have them all on the same Earth. That would be good. Mm. So anything else from you? Is that not enough? <laughs> uh, I, I, I've been very much not watching Iron Fist. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I I have been watching, uh, watching Iron Fist. I'm about nine episodes in at the moment so i've not quite got to the end yet it has its problems it's fair i think to say that but it's nowhere near as bad as people were slating it for i don't think it's got like plot holes in it there was a whole thing that went up online about the um the other guy that apparently revealed that he was potentially up for the role uh who was an asian american and to be fair that probably would have been a, a more interesting way for them to go and he did look the part it does make me cringe slightly when they get danny's character to to do the kind of bruce leeisms of you know be the hand or whatever uh, yeah. you know th when he comes out with those sort of things it, it sort of doesn't sound quite right it sounds ridiculous it's not aged well iron fist in its original format so <laughs> by casting him they're slightly more true to the comics but it doesn't necessarily translate as well to modern day plus if there were some things with the comic books where he was a bit more of an outsider because of his differences and that 
I don't think really came through. No, no, I think that's probably. So it, it, I think that makes it feel slightly even more cringy. I think yeah. I, I've missed, like I've seen some of it, but it just it's okay. And because all the other series were really, really good, okay is therefore translated as oh my god, they've lost it. This is awful. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. And you know, it, it is fine. The, so one of the biggest issues I have with it so far is the introduction of Claire, who you know they're dealing with. I don't think this is a huge spoiler. The hand because they're the like main villain, and mm. the moment the hand comes up and Claire is introduced. She doesn't go, by the way, I know this guy called Daredevil, <laughs> you know, and I know these, you know, and he's already fought them. It, she kind of makes reference to it. And I think she does say something about he's otherwise dis- indisposed, but uh, I, I don't know, that that doesn't quite work for me. I sort of feel like the first thing she would have done when that reference was made would have found a way to contact him and say, by the way, we need your help. That kind of niggles me. So, you know, yeah, it's it's fine, but I, I think it could have been quite a lot better. <laughs> and I, I think yeah. some, of the, some of the direction isn't as artfully done as it has been on some of the other shows as well, which I think is a problem when you're dealing with something like, which is basically based around Kung Fu and needs some sort of stylish direction to it. And Yeah, there's been quite a lot of criticism of the action scenes and of the, the stylistic choices or just lack of style in those choices. Yeah. And I think that the way that all the series have looked so far that they've put out have been a very big draw to them. Yeah. And this just feels a bit lazy. Yeah, I, I think that is... By the numbers. That, that is probably a fair comment of it, and I, that is the other big issue I have with it. And I sort of get that they have got to fold them all in together on a Defenders series, so maybe that's something to do with it, but I think you could have made some far more interesting stylistic choices for Iron Fist that they didn't do. It, it does feel a little bit lazy in the way it's shot. So, you know, it's perfectly okay as a superhero thing, but I there, there's I think they they could have made it so much better than it has been. So yeah, it, yeah, it is a little perfectly disappointing. Okay, isn't quite high enough for me to watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other superhero thing that came out this week was the first full-on Justice League trailer. Have you watched this? Uh, yeah, about six times. <laughs> Thoughts? I, I tentatively say it looks really good, however. Yes, we've said that before. We, we know about DC and trailers mm. um, at the moment. Also, the music choices they use on their trailers tends to, to sort of have an effect on how you view them and then that well, unless you're Suicide Squad and you throw the music out of your film and stick the trailer music in, um, it then yes. is a very different feel in the movie. So I was a bit like, hmm, I'm not quite sure if I trust this, although I really want it to be good. I want it to take all the best things that we had from the previous movies and then be the one that fixes DC on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that would... You wouldn't bet your life on it, but you're hopeful. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. That was exactly the... I'm very cautious of those trailers having been burnt so many times before. I like the fact that it's got some humour in it. I like the fact that they didn't reveal anything too much. Obviously, we saw a few parademons in there, but we kind of knew that was coming. We know Steppenwolf is one of the, uh, is one of the villains in it. Whether we'll mm-hmm. see Darkseid, I, I don't know. But they have 
haven't revealed that in a trailer, I'm going to be very annoyed if at some point they reveal that in a trailer and don't keep it for the film if he is in there, which you've got to assume he is at some point. I would have he thought. You need to have a big enough bad guy to, to warrant the whole Justice League. Yeah. So Stephen Wolf is, is big, but no one's ever heard of him. So unless you're comic book readers, but your general people that like comic book movies, but don't read the comics are never going to have heard of him. So I very much doubt he is the big bad. They must be bringing Darkseid in. Yeah. I mean, so Stephen Wolf is the leader of, of Darkseid's army. So it would make yeah. sense for him to be the kind of initial villain they come across and then Darkseid to turn up somewhere as the big bad towards the end. Yeah. I, you know, that would make sense to me. I just hope they don't do what they did with Batman, Superman and reveal like, you know, Doomsday in the trailer. I hope they don't do that with Darkseid because I don't think it's necessary. I think there's enough in that trailer to make people want to go and see it without revealing who the big villain is at the end. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I'm cautiously optimistic once again for a DC trailer. <laughs> the other thing that I've been doing pretty much solidly all weekend and uh, since it came out is Mass Effect Andromeda. So, I, I mean, you've obviously not played this game yet. I take it you've seen a lot of the news that's been around about it. Yeah, and I've played, uh, I know there were the previous games and those were awesome. So I'm assuming it just continues to be awesome. Uh, well, yes and no. Yes. Mm. Yes, it is very good. If you, as I said, I think last week, because I reviewed a bit the uh, the 10 hour preview because we had the preview last week. Yes, it is good. I am enjoying it. It is buggy in places. I've had a few cases where it's crashed out on me. I've had a few cases where missions haven't been able to be, or a mission so far hasn't been able to be completed. And that's a bit of an issue, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm trying to think back when I played Dragon Age, if Dragon Age was as buggy at this point, and I have a feeling it probably was. So I think it's something that will get fixed, but it is kind of irritating. I know some people have been complaining about the graphics as well, about, you know, particularly the animations. And there are issues with the, particularly with the voice animations in certain places, the, the mouth movements. I've not had a huge problem with that. Any problem that I have had, I think is because I'm running on a fairly old graphics card. So it's there's been slowdown and missync more than anything else but generally i've not had a huge issue with it so i i think maybe they sorted some of that out before the uh the final release storyline i know people have been complaining about as well and that i don't get because i think the storyline's absolutely fine it, it feels and plays far more like dragon age inquisition than it does like a previous mass effect game and and I, that's a problem if you loved the way the old Mass Effect games played. I really like the way Dragon Age Inquisition played. So I, I don't have an issue with that at all. I think it's far more responsive in the combat. You lose control, direct control over your squad mates. They're far more autonomous than they were before, but I didn't really control the squad mates that much anyway. So I don't have a huge issue with that. And I know some people will do. On the whole, I think, I think PC Gamer finally came out with a score of 80% out of, or 80 out of 100 on it. And I think that's probably fair. There are issues. There are some problems here and there. It's not as polished as maybe it should have been. But generally, I think if you're looking to buy it, if you're a huge Mass Effect fan, I think go out and get it. Uh, or if you certainly if you're a Dragon Age fan and like the idea of basically doing Dragon Age in space, uh, then <laughs> yeah, go out and get it's it. It's the start of the podcast. Add in space 
used to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I would, I would definitely go out and get it. Apart from that, I, I think if you're being more cautious, maybe wait a couple of months until the first patch comes out and they've maybe nailed down a few more of the bugs. But I think for any AAA release game, that's fairly good advice usually anyway. It depends how desperate you are to play it or not. But I I think it's really good fun and I'm enjoying it. I think the character interactions are great. I don't have a huge problem with quite a lot of the things. I mean, it, it's sort of how I expected it to be, which is fine. So that's been pretty much what's taken up most of my time, as well as Lion Fist and Legion. And a quick mention of Top Gear as well, because we haven't really spoken about that since we first started have you ever seen any of the new series of this? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, I didn't think it'd be your sort of thing. Uh, I just wanted to say, I watched it again last night, and um, I think the guys on Top Gear are doing a much better job than last season. I actually think it's, actually, it's improving over the series as well, because they were a little bit tentative when they started, and things weren't quite gelling in the studio, but it was better than you know the previous season with the shouty ginger idiot. But what Watching the last couple of episodes, I think they're really gelling a lot more and I'm really quite enjoying that. I think the format's working a lot better. So yeah, I've lots of positive things. I'm not sure what the numbers are like, but yeah, I I think it's it's definitely back on the right track and I'm looking forward to seeing them do more of it. So definitely the right call with what they did. So that's everything for me this week. Let's go on to film and TV news. <laughs> We'll start off the film and TV news this week with a bunch of renewals from CBS in the US. They renewed 16 shows. Uh, they early which you know sometimes we'll get early renews it's not usually like quite this many but you know here we go we've got ncis los angeles no great surprise there ncis new orleans no great surprise there hawaii 50 which is always slightly on the bubble but has managed to pull itself back again blue bloods no surprise there scorpion madam secretary i'm amazed that they've renewed scorpion <laughs> yeah so it's so bad it's so technically incorrect of everything they ever do with a computer it makes me cry ah is it a CSI level of sort of you know codes flying past and people not looking where they're going on the keyboard type the the very first episode of the first series they managed to run a car under a plane and plug something into the bottom of the plane in order to affect the computer on the plane whilst driving under a flying plane (laughs) it isn't just ridiculous on the way they code and the way they do technical things is utterly wrong science and physics are wrong (laughs) some of the characters are nice and i think that's the only thing that can possibly be pulling it through is that some of the characters are really nicely put together but yeah yeah, the actual plots yeah oh dear it makes macgyver look insanely realistic (laughs) (laughs) ah right okay um yes speaking of macgyver that's already been renewed madam secretary's been renewed bull which i'm quite enjoying that's been renewed as well that's quite good fun. Life in Pieces, which is brilliant, brilliant comedy. That's been renewed. Mom, Kevin Can Wait has been renewed. Man with a Plan, which is Matt LeBlanc's comedy. That's been renewed as well. So he's got two jobs next year. Uh, Survivor, 60 Minutes and 24 Hours have all been renewed. And there's a program called Superior Donuts, which has also been renewed. Big Bang Theory has also been picked up already. And NCIS, the main NCIS show, has also been picked up. But they were already announced. So, yeah, I've a fair mix of shows there. A lot of procedural stuff. CBS just seems to be 
wall-to-wall procedural, Travis, and comedies. There's like at least three NCISs on that list. <laughs> well, yes. I think they're going to have to start branching out into small villages and, and things to continue <laughs> making more NCISs. Yes. I, yeah, and, NCIS Croydon. Yeah, maybe. And so that's the Midlands. Yes, yes. But yeah, NCIS in a landlocked country, in a landlocked area of a country might not be a good idea. You can probably do NCIS London, maybe. Um, <laughs> so missing from that list off the CBS shows, though, are Elementary, Code Black, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, Two Brett Girls and The Great Indoors. Those are, are the shows which haven't been renewed yet. Also, The Odd Couple, Doubt and Training Day, also missing. Those three are not expected to get renewed for various reasons uh doubt was pulled from the schedules after like three episodes went out so that's definitely not coming back training day sadly lost bill paxton so it's unlikely they're going to renew that and the odd couple didn't get a back order this season i think it's done two seasons maybe three but didn't get a back order this season and one of the main two stars of the show said he'd be very very surprised if it came back so i so i think that's probably dead in the water as well <laughs> the other shows that are missing criminal minds is currently in negotiations with abc studios uh, so it's not directly made by cbs or the, or uh, this wb who are the kind of all part of the same company it's made by abc which is Disney. So they're still in negotiations on contracts on that, but the chances are Criminal Minds will be back again. Uh, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders has only just started in the US, so it's a little too early to tell if that's going to come back, but I think that's a fair chance that will arrive. Shows with a bit more of a problem... Two Broke Girls, been doing okay in the ratings, but not brilliant. So that is very much a toss-up for renewal. Code Black is struggling and struggled last year and he's still struggling even though they added Rob Lowe to the cast as well which they thought might boost it a bit so it's very difficult to say whether they're going to be prepared to stick the neck out for it again because it's it's just not getting the numbers elementary as well is difficult to say it slipped in the ratings but it is owned by CBS and sells well internationally so that might save it from being cancelled because if it's owned by the company that you know the network that makes it cheaper to make so although he's not doing well necessarily for them if if they're making a reasonable amount of money out of it that may get it picked up again so um yeah, i love elementary so i'm hoping that one comes back again yeah i mean i enjoy watching that i would like to see that come back i mean it's you know it does turn sherlock into a bit more of procedural but i think it's this season's been really good so you know I, I i would like to see it return and we've had it sort of in a danger zone for a while now but given that it does make quite a lot of money apparently internationally that show i think there's a fair chance that it, it may come back mm. we usually they we, need to try and bring moriarty back although that would cost them a fortune now yes very true uh <laughs> unfortunate where you pick somebody for a uh you know have an actress like that in it and then um because it was that who was it natalie dormer that was yeah yeah it was natalie dormer that was uh yeah so having gone on to game of thrones and uh various other things at this point uh yes i i think that might cost them quite a lot of money to bring her back we usually get a final decision for Sherry Nils at some point in the first half of May. So we'll let you know when something, yeah, we have these. Uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on the website. We'll post whether things have got cancelled and renewed. Moving on to more general news stories, we've got a, another Buffy alumni cast, this time in Netflix's Altered Carbon. Now, I know you're quite excited about this show. Yes, just a little bit. A tiny, tiny smidgen, about a ton. Yeah. 
Were you a fan of the books? Have you read the books? Yeah, yeah. I've not read all of them, but I've read I've read a fair amount. We, all the books in this kind of area that they're now making TV shows, like you know, the expanse and things are making me very, very happy. Yes. Um, and I think I trust Netflix with this one, and they've got so many good people involved in it as well, both on um, cast and production. That very, very high hopes. Yeah, it's um, based on a book by Richard K. Morgan, uh, who we spoke to last year, I think, maybe the year before. I think it was last year. Uh, about this and we were kind of i asked him about you know what's happening because they were supposed to have sold the rights for a movie and he was like there are things going on but i can't talk about them at the time so this is obviously what he meant it stars joel kinnaman who is the guy from robocop and suicide squad and the killing he plays Takashi Kovacs, who's an ex-elite interstellar warrior known as an envoy, having been in prison for nearly 500 years, he wakes to find himself downloading into a new body, they're known as sleeves, I think, bodies, to try and solve a murder in a world where death is basically obsolete because you can just download yourself into a new body. If he can find an answer to the mystery, he gets to go free. So the new role is Adam Bush from Buffy. He's also been in various other things as well. He played Warren in Buffy. He was one of the trio. He was also Neil on Men at Work and Mr. Carson, the teacher in Colony. He's recently playing a role of Chase on Empire. That last job probably had something to do with slight amounts of nepotism because Empire is co-written by Danny Strong, who was his fellow trio member on Buffy. So quite useful having a friend that's gone on to basically become a massive Hollywood screenwriter and producer. His role on Altered Carbon, he will play Mickey, who is the police department's sarcastic and acerbic computer technician. Uh, despite his spiky personality, he's brilliant at his job and a loyal friend to his colleagues and determined to help them stop the killer. So, I mean, spiky and sarcastic is kind of what Adam does really, really well. So I think this is a great part for him. Other people being cast on on Alter Carbon is uh, Tamarona Taylor from Bones, James Perforoy from The Following and Rome and Happen Leonard, Alto Asando from Vinyl and Blue Bloods, Chris Conno, who was on The People vs. OJ, to Tran from The Newsroom, Marlon Fort from Fear the Walking Dead. It's um, written by uh, Longita, I can't pronounce her last name, uh, who was the uh, person behind Shutter Island and uh, <coughs> Terminator Genesis, but I think we'll skip over that. She also wrote the Bionic Woman TV series, and the first episode is being directed by the guy that directed Game of Thrones, Battle of the Bastards. Uh, that's the any winning director, Mikhail Sapochink, I think his last name is. <laughs> they all have very horrible, complicated names. Uh, <laughs> So yes, still no release date for this, but it's very kind of cyberpunk-esque. I think this is this is something that's going to be very up your street, I would have thought. It, it, it is. Alter Carbon is pretty well known in the cyberpunk world. It is good to see more of these shows getting picked up. So many years ago, you wouldn't see things like this getting made at all. They'd be too niche. And I think now that we've had quite a lot of things that are post-apocalyptic and quite a lot of things that are zombie-based, and they're all becoming a lot more mainstream. And I think cyberpunk's the next one that's going to get that kind of treatment. Certainly, yeah. I mean, given how much critical response something like the expanse got i think this is definitely a road that um that netflix are very happy to go down i would have thought at this point because you know the expanse is a brilliant brilliant sci-fi series and it's nice to see almost these sort of dark heavy sci-fi things being picked up by both network tv in the u.s and 
by uh, people like Netflix and uh, Amazon. So I, you know, I'm I'm happy to see more of this. It should be really good. I think it's pushing more niche stuff because people like Netflix can go for the slightly more, well, I say obscure, not obscure to cyberpunk and sci-fi fans, but the slightly more obscure to your general TV watching public kind of titles. They can do those, and I think that's them pushing some of the regular network channels to pick up things as well because they don't want companies like Netflix to outstrip them. Yeah, and and I think it's actually forcing because we got to the point where just so much TV was procedural and generic and bad yeah. and and now I feel like with all the comic book licenses getting picked up there's all these new pots for people to start sourcing source material from and yeah. it's broadening the scope a little bit yeah I mean you've got we've got to a point now where you've got the sci-fi channel making happy which is the uh, Grant Morrison book about a alcoholic detective and um, or a drug addled alcoholic detective and his blue horse with wings uh, <laughs> So, you know, I I think the more more licenses and more interesting licenses they're delving into, I think is um a, yeah, I'm all for it. I really like this sort of stuff. Another license thing that's come up is being made by Channel 4. They've got this co-production with Amazon coming up, which is Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, the show is called. It's an anthology series. I think this is basically their replacement for losing Black Mirror by the sounds of it, because it seems to have very similar feel to it. Yeah, well, Philip K. Dick is going to be one of the people that influenced things like Black Mirror. Yeah, I think this is, you know, kind of what they thought as a good replacement for uh, for Black Mirror. They announced the first episode and the lead in the first episode for this. It's Timothy Spall is the actor who I, I think he's fantastic and I really love. Uh, he was in Mr. Turner, Secrets and Lies, King's Speech, and of course the Harry Potter films. The first episode is going to be, or the first episode to be filmed, sorry, we don't know it's actually going to be the first episode. It's called The Commuter. He plays Egg Jacobson, an unassuming employee at a train station who is alarmed to discover that the number of daily commuters are taking the train to a town that shouldn't exist. When he investigates himself, he comes face to face with an alternate reality that forces him to confront his own struggle around his relationship with his wife and his very troubled son. So it's based on a short story by Philip Kane Dick called the same by the same name. Uh, it's written by Jack Thorne, who is the man that wrote National Treasure, This Is England, and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. The episode is directed by Tom Harper, who is one of the directors of Peaky Blinders and uh, War and Peace for the BBC. I love the fact that they're doing Philip K. Dick stuff as an anthology series because people often take his work and try and turn it into big budget Hollywood movies, yeah. and they strip out a lot of the things that are very interesting about them and then add in so much extra content because he wrote so many really good short stories which yeah. are just exploring small ideas so an anthology is the best format with which to show his work really well and there's some really good people involved in this so yeah i think this could be really really good thing and i'm pleased that black mirror moving has caused them to go we need to make something else as good yeah because it means yeah. more, more good telly for us yeah absolutely the casting for this as well is uh rebecca manley from uh this is england anthony boyd from harry potter and the cursed child You've got uh, Rudy Darmalingham from uh, Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them, Tuppence Middleton from War and Peace and Sense8, Anne Reid from Last Tango in Halifax. So there's there's all sorts of people kind of casting it. I think it, there's, there's a really good cast going through it. You've got the writers as well, which is probably the most interesting thing for the anthologies. Uh, it's a huge list of British and American writers, including Ronald D. Moore, who is the man behind Outlander and 
and um, Battlestar Galactica. Michael Dinner, who wrote Justified. Donald Grinson from uh, Red Riding, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Jack Thorne, as we mentioned earlier. Matthew Graham, who wrote Life on Mars and has written episodes of Doctor Who. David Farr, who wrote The Night Manager. Um, Dees Rees, who wrote a thing called Mudbound. And uh, Travis Beecham, who wrote Pacific Rim. So, <laughs> you know, there's a fairly wide mix of things there, but all particularly good writers i like the fact that ronald dean moore's coming on that seems totally up his street i think it could be really interesting and giving different people directing different episodes directing different stories because his short stories do have very different feels and they're set in very different environments if they pair the writers up to the, the stories they're adapting you could end up with lots of pockets of genius as opposed to one person doing it and it going up and down in quality it, theoretically it could just be all really really well put together yeah i mean that that as you say i think is going to be the major thing is um making sure that the directors the writers and the actors are, are all put together in the right way and you could make some brilliant brilliant stuff because it's the same with black mirror as well was the fact that you've got you know you needed to make sure that you got the right cast and the right director and the and the right writers you know although i don't know whether he whether charlie writes all those himself but you've got to kind of make sure that it's all kind of fitting together in the right way to make sure that it's all working but i think having such an interesting varied group of of writers in it i think will certainly make a huge difference and if they're all the caliber of tom harper as the directors then that's going to be awesome so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Don't have an air date for it yet. We've just been told it's probably later this year. So autumn, I would expect, autumn, winter. And it's going to be streamed by Amazon in the US. So it's a sort of, I think they are actually co-producing it as well, or they've certainly thrown some money at it. So that's good. Another piece of Buffy casting we've got as well. David Baranis of Bones is taking the lead on a new pilot, which is unnamed at the moment but it's about the US Navy SEALs. Originally, what's interesting about this, the role was supposed to go to Jim Cavalier from um, Person of Interest, but he apparently exited the project due to creative differences with the producers, and they got David Baranis in to play the same role, which I thought was kind of interesting. So he's playing Jason, who's the leader of this SEAL team. He's highly experienced, but been left both mentally and physically scarred after years on the job. Additional cast includes AJ Buck, from Supernatural and known mainly for CSI New York, Jessica Pare from Mad Men, Neil Brown Jr. from Suits and Dirk Gently, Tony Trucks from Franklin and Bash and Grimm, Max Theorot from Bates Motel. As I said, uh, Baran is mainly known for Bones these days, but was obviously Angel on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Looking just at the basics of it, I'd normally say that totally isn't something I'd want to watch. However, he is a really good actor and I really, really enjoyed the first couple of series of Angel specifically. I yeah. thought he really shone in those. And then it's the um, the same cinematographer that was used for things like uh, Person of Interest and Man in High Castle. So it could be really interesting if it's a good stylistic and introspective take on, on the character. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the people behind it actually make this stand out to me because I'm very much with you. It sounds like, oh, it's going to be another procedural. But the person that's, wrote, that's written it is a guy called Benjamin Caval, who was a writer on Justified and wrote Sneaky Pete as well, which is a show we absolutely adore. So it's been written by him. It's been directed by Chris Chuglack, who was uh, involved on Shameless and Longmire and Animal Kingdom, all 
which are quite sort of interesting and slightly different shows. And the cinematographer, as you mentioned, is uh, Gonzalo and Matt, who we interviewed a while back, who was the guy on Person of Interest and Man in the High Castle. The use of Gonzalo makes me wonder what the show's going to look like. Because yeah, it makes me feel like they're going for something interesting and different and intelligent and not just another thing following a slightly damaged Navy SEAL solving a crime each week kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sort of with you there because having spoken to Gonzalo, we know, kind of know what sort of things he tends to go for. And I, I think certainly the visual styling on those was very, very interesting. So I, yeah, I, I'm really intrigued with this. It is only a pilot at the moment. So we don't know whether it'll go to series or, or what, but that has me very interested. The writer the director and the cinematographer on that show, I think make a very interesting combination, regardless of who the lead is. So uh, that could be one to watch, but we'll, we'll keep you informed once we know any more about that. So that's all the news we have for this week. And next up, we have the interview. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The interview this week is with production designer Diane Lederman. Diane worked her way through the ranks of the TV and film production industry, starting at the bottom before becoming a set decorator and then eventually taking control as production designer. She's worked on TV shows such as The Leftovers, The Americans, uh, films like Limitless and The Butler. Her latest gig is on an upcoming Netflix series called 13 Reasons Why. So 13 Reasons Why, the book itself was on the New York Times bestseller list. It's apparently used in schools across America as well. It's by somebody called Jay Asher. Tells the story of a teen who comes home one day to find a set of cassette tapes from his former classmate, Hannah Baker, who recently died from a suicide. Each tape contains a story of individual classmates that she said hurt her in some way. So there are 13 stories and 13 episodes in total. So it's quite a powerful sort of drama, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this is transferred onto screen. And we got to talk a bit to uh, Diane about a book which means quite a lot to her because she knew it very well and means quite a lot to certainly a lot of American people because it's used in schools and stuff. So we got to talk to her about that and we talk a little bit uh, well about her work on the Americans and the leftovers. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Hello, David. Hi, Diane. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Truthfully, a wee bit tired today, but um, it just goes along with the territory of what I do. <laughs> yes, yes. I can imagine there are very long days involved in your job. <laughs> Ridiculously long, but um, I love it. I love what I do. So, you know, that's just part of it. 
Well, yeah, that that's always the best thing. Do something you love. That's what I say. That's <laughs> why I do this for a living. <laughs> well, cheers to the both of us that we do what we love. Very nice to, to talk to you. I Thank you for spending a bit of time with the interview. I wanted to ask you first off, how did you get into production design? Because every production designer I've ever talked to didn't plan to be in production design when they first started. It was something they kind of fell into and ended up in. Well... Actually, in a way, that's true. I In school, I always wanted to be an artist. I mean, before I went to college, I was gravitated towards the arts. And I, at one point, had an inkling that I would do interior design. Right, yeah. Uh, and I was taking part of my syllabus at art school was a film class. Right, okay. But he put a film camera in my hand, and that was pretty much, that sealed the fate. And at that point, I knew I wanted to work in film. I didn't know enough about the industry to know that such a position existed, that I could combine all of my loves and all of my talents into one <laughs> happy little package. Um, so happily, uh, uh, that's how it turned out. I actually interned on a film production my second year of college. Right. And I interned again at a film studio, Kaufman Astoria Studios, which coincidentally I'm working at right now. <laughs> uh, and and um, realized I loved it. I loved making films and was happy to find out that there were positions and a department called the art department. And I thought, okay, <laughs> that's it. And, the, and that sealed my fate. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I worked towards that ever since I graduated school. I worked my way up in the art department from being an art PA, an assistant prop person, props. And then I was a decorator for many, many years. So um, I did figure it out kind of early on, but um, it took me a while. Uh, a lot of designers that I know sort of start designing or art go by way of art direction and then become designers. I worked my way up and, and I did pretty much every, almost every job in the art department. And I feel like that really helped me understand what it takes for each person in each position to do their job. And I think it makes me a better designer and a better manager. Yeah, absolutely. It really helps. If you're, if you're managing these people, it, it really helps if you know exactly what they're going through. So It does because you know what you can, you know how far you can push and you know yeah. what you can ask for and you know when it's too much and when you can actually ask for a bit more so um it's good it's good and, and it puts you on a different level with people I mean I think that crews respect me because of my history and because I was down in the trenches yeah. early and then a lot of the people that I work with currently at one point or another you know I work with in different capacities so, you know, we sort of fought our way through together and um, there's a bit of camaraderie because of it. And I love my crews. I, I can't do what I do without them. It's it, their number one important. I can't. It's it, as you know, film is such a collaborative effort, yeah. not only in the grander scheme, but even within the departments, you know, I can't build sets without my construction and my scenic department. I can't decorate sets without my decorators and my set dressers. So, um, 
each job is valuable and important and I appreciate and love them all. Yeah, I mean, it's yours is certainly one job on set. There is absolutely no way you couldn't do on your own, really. So <laughs> the shows that you've uh, worked on as a production designer, you've got The Leftovers, which you, you worked on. You got uh, The Americans and 13 Reasons Why, which is, is this new Netflix show you're working on. Do you want to just explain a little bit about that show? 13 Reasons Why. It's a very special project. Sometimes it's hard for me to talk about it without crying because <laughs> it really is, um, it deals with teenage suicide. Yeah. And the book is used in high schools and colleges across the country as a teaching tool now. Right. Uh, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for close to eight years. And um, it's a really special story. It's sometimes a little hard to get through because it's such a sensitive subject. But uh, there are young adults who have literally stopped in the streets of um, Marin County, where we did a lot of our shooting, and thanked us for bringing this production to life. So, um, wow. yeah, it was a, it's a very special project. It's about a young woman who does take her own life. And she leaves behind 13 cassette tapes, each tape delving into another reason why she was driven to the point that she felt she had to take her life and couldn't go on anymore. Yeah, it, it's a very powerful thing for Netflix to take on. And I mean, they aren't a company that likes to shy away from things either. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's an appropriate place for it. It's a bold and brave step. And I'm proud of everybody who's been a part of this show. It's a beautiful, beautiful production. It not only looks good, the acting is superb. It's mostly newcomers. The photography is wonderful. And each director that graced our really embraced the material in a very special way. Are there like 13 different directors? Because I know they've sort of split it into separate episodes, each following sort of a single cassette tape. So were they completely different directors for for every episode or, or were you... Every single episode, the way we broke it down is um, we piggyback every two episodes and then the last episode, the final episode was done on its own. Right. So okay. the first two episodes were directed by Tom McCarthy, who has won the Academy Award for Spotlight. Yeah. Has done some other very special films. Um, he is absolutely brilliant. I learned an incredible amount working with him. He's a wonderful storyteller. And he set the tone for the show. Yeah. Uh, so he did the first two episodes. And then every we had different directors for every other two. And then our 13th episode was directed by somebody who had done two other previous ones. Right, okay. So all in all, we had six, we had six directors. Yeah. In terms of you for the production design, uh, how are things changing from episode to episode if you're following kind of different stories each time? Well, that's part of, in, in a television series, one of the most important jobs that I have is because you always have different directors coming aboard and directing different episodes is maintaining that consistency and being the voice and the vision of consistency. Yeah. So it is a very important part of my job um, on television series. So I stick pretty close to the directors during their prep. You know, once they get to the set and start shooting, 
I'm already working with the next director prepping the next two episodes. I do spend some time on set, not as much as I'd like, um, <laughs> but it's physically impossible to be in all the places all the time. Yeah. But um, I work very closely with the directors during prep so that we don't break any of the tone rules that are being set for the show. Right. And that's why the work that I did with Tom so early on was so very important because that's what we did. We we set the we set the tone for the show and then I carry that torch for the rest of the season. Right, yeah. Where was it shot? Is it cuz you're based in New York, aren't you? Yeah. So I is, am. Was it was it... shot completely in Northern California. Oh, okay. Are you involved in any of that kind of scouting stuff beforehand? Do, do... Or, or do you kind of basically given locations and saying this is where we're doing it? Yeah, no, I I'm one of the first people on a job. Right. Uh, yeah. I was I think the second or third production person to hit the ground in Marin County. We were in Marin County and the East Bay. Our sets. We turned an old warehouse, a hundred thousand square foot warehouse, into our stage where we built our stage sets. Wow. On old military installation. Huh. Um called Mare Island, and that was in the East Bay. Uh, a lot of our exterior locations in the town we based on San Rafael, California, so that sort of gave us the look of our town. But yeah, another main part of my job as a production designer is to find the location right. and, and finding them quickly because until you have your locations, no one else can do their work. That, yeah. That's sort of the first order of business. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a particular reason you picked Marine County to do it in? Tom and Brian Yorkey, who is the, our showrunner, who created the show, who um, was a part of taking that wonderful book and the, that wonderful story and turning it into and selling it to Netflix and turning it into a television show. And he is our main writer. And this was his first venture into television. Right. Previously, did mostly theater, won um, some very prestigious awards. They just fell in love with the mood and the atmosphere of Northern California, the um, fog and the mist lifting right. over the in the morning does set a particular tone that really cannot be duplicated anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. In terms of things like making the sets, did you create the shop fronts and stuff for the town from scratch? Pretty much. So what happened was, um, so we landed in Northern California and uh, Tom and Brian had just loved it there. And uh, in addition to the magnificent scenery of Northern California is the little town that dot the coast. And they're just, you know, they just speak to what we just consider Americana, you know, and, yeah. and small town USA and with these quaint shops and the main street and, you know, one of the main locations for us. But um, in the story is the movie theater right. that... Hannah and Clay are two. Um, Hannah is the young woman who kills herself and Clay is sort of her hero. And um, they work together. They meet and they work together at an old vintage movie theater. Right. So these old movie theaters with their magnificent marquees just dot Marin County and all over Northern California. Ironically, though, we couldn't find one. That worked for us because, number one, we wanted it to have the name of the movie theater in the Crestmont in the show. Right. Yeah. And two, these old theaters, because they always started out as one big theater and then got chopped up into miniplexes. Right. Their lobbies always got destroyed. 
Yeah. So, and most of the storyline that takes place in the movie theaters happens in the lobby. So we needed, we needed bigger playing field. So yeah. Tom and I came up with the idea of, well, let's build it. Let's make it. Let's take a storefront and turn it into a movie theater, which sort of evolved into us saying, well, and this was really my idea. Um, and it was met with resistance. I have to tell you because <laughs> it's very financially for the producers, but the idea was, well, if we're going to do that, let's create all the main storefronts of our town and really create the identity of the town and make it our own. So we did that. It was a lot of hard work. Right across the bridge, literally a five-minute drive from where sets were on Mare Island, is this small town called Vallejo. And Vallejo was a blooming town when the military was present there. Right. It literally died. It was a ghost town once the military pulled out. Ah. So there, the bones of this magnificent town still existed there, but it was all empty shops. And I'm driving around and I'm thinking to myself, this is like a gift. We can take these storefronts, the bones are there, and we can really create our town. And we used Vallejo almost like our own backlot. So um, we had the Monet's Coffee Shop, took over an empty storefront and created our own Monet's Coffee Shop. We took a empty storefront and created the facade and lobby of our movie theater. We um, created Hannah's Parents there and everything was in blocks of each other. So it actually, in the end, was financially beneficial because we literally owned these shops, could come and go as we pleased. It didn't prohibit any kind of scheduling problems. Yeah. And it really saved us financially because if you would have had to close down those a living coffee shop or yeah. movie theater every time you wanted to shoot, it would have actually been cost prohibitive. And and dress it and undress it, the labor involved in that would have been cost prohibitive. So in the end, it was not only beneficial for the look of the show and creating the identity of the town and the show, but it really was very cost effective. Wow, that's a lot of work there. Is it all still there or did you have to take it's it down? After? Oh, well, wow. We, most of it, we, we took down enough so there wouldn't be any liability issues yeah. and all, anything that had the potential of, you know, being ransacked because there is a hope for a season two for the show and let the story continue. So we battened down the hatches, so to speak, while the show airs and we'll see what becomes of its future. But um, all the elements are in our possession and safely tucked away. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, I, I just, that's that's quite sort of interesting. I did, so you are planning, there is a possible plan for a season two after this as well. Which, there, is, there is always the hope. There yeah. is hope. Because yes. I did wonder, given that it's based on on the source material it's based on, I did wonder whether this would just be a a one off thing. But uh, that's that's kind of interesting. See where they go but, for it next. Well, it's a sort of a similar situation to the leftovers, which was also in the book. Yes, and of course. the story continued after the story of the book ended in much the same way that our story can can continue, and there is a future 
for these characters after the story of the book ends. Yeah, this is kind of quite a different sort of show to the other ones you've worked on, such as, I mean, The Americans and The, and the Leftovers. The Americans in particular is quite interesting because you're, you're basically set dressing and designing areas of New York to look like 80s versions of, is, is it Washington? It's, it's set in, yeah. Yeah. And it's actually not all of New York. It's primarily Brooklyn, (laughs) which really doesn't look anything like Washington, (laughs) D.C., except for, you know, we, we, we find pockets that do resemble areas of D.C. and we do our best to help. And thank God for modern technology and visual effects. And that really is our friend in those circumstances. So, um, yeah, it's a challenge. (laughs) Um, Each project presents a different sort of challenge, one oftentimes one you wouldn't expect. You know, when just reading the source material and reading the script for 13 Reasons Why, it reads as a simple venture. You know, you have a contemporary story based in a contemporary American town. Yeah. And one would think that the challenges would be simple, but they weren't by any stretch of the imagination and it was it was a long hard road and a lot of work but I am very very proud of the results it's a beautiful show to watch and it's a beautiful story and it's told in a really engaging way yeah I am really looking forward to it coming out it lands at the end of the month doesn't it March 31st coincidentally my birthday so it's a wonderful (laughs) present yeah awesome that was well timed (laughs) yes exactly almost like on purpose yeah. um so we're very excited yeah i i think it should go down extremely well i i'm uh, looking forward to seeing it i've seen trailers for it it looks fantastic so i i'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing yeah and it's not just the stores that we created um we did shoot part of the time um early on in our first two episodes just because it was impossible to build all the sets for the first two episodes um we shot in a real school but then we we built our set modeled after the real school and pretty much what I had to do was go into an existing school, change it to make it look like the way I wanted to look, wanted it to look, which was repainting all the lockers, stripping their hallways and redressing them. It was a ton of work, but then we actually built a replica right. of the interior of the school on our stage sets to such perfection that our DP, when we first, the first day we were shooting on the stage set, this was very amusing. I, I really got a kick out of this. Our DP was standing in the lobby of the school in the hallway and walked out the front door. And I saw him looking around being very confused because he full on expected that he was walking out the front door and he was going to be outside in front of the school. <laughs> and, it, and it just transported him. And for a moment, he had to think he was like, oh, right, I'm on the stage set. <laughs> so that was a great that was a great compliment. But yes, we replicated a good portion of the main hallways and classrooms of the existing school that we copied. So that was quite an effort and it was done to perfection. Uh, We also, on Mare Island, there was a defunct gymnasium that was part of the military installation. And so we completely made it over and took it over as our gym for the basketball gym of our story. Right, yeah. And we literally had to repair holes in the wall 
walls and ceilings. We stripped the floor and we painted and we glazed the gymnasium floor and we basically redid the entire gymnasium. That was quite an effort, but it was highly successful. It was really beautiful. That's incredible. I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of work went <laughs> went into this. Yeah, the before and after pictures are startling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to see those some sometime. They they look they sound like they'd be really interesting. They are unbelievable. If I do say so myself. Yeah, uh, that that sounds. That I'd be really interested in that. It sounds fantastic. So I've got a couple of final final questions for you. There's two questions that we always ask because we cover a lot of TV shows on the website. So the first one would be, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Uh, um, <laughs> quite frankly, right now, I, when I manage to get home, pretty much go straight to bed. I'm working on a new pilot for NBC and we've been doing pretty much 15 hour days every day. <laughs> but um, I, I'm really enjoying Big Little Lies. Oh, I yes. Think yeah. Is really successfully done i really enjoying that show the production design is excellent i think that's like one of my top shows girls um i've been addicted from the beginning and <laughs> i continue right to the end uh, watching it faithfully so that's another one of my favorite shows of course the Americans. yeah even though i unfortunately couldn't be a part of this past season because i went on to do 13 reasons why uh, big conflict so season five was without me but um they did a wonderful job and it looks great and I'm enjoying the new season. I think we're only up to the second episode at this point. Tonight I think is the third. So um, I've been watching that. Yeah. And I am eagerly anticipating the new season of The Leftovers it looks, and the last season, the third and final season. Yeah. And if you had the opportunity to work on any show past, present or future, what would it be? Oh, well, you know, sort of a guilty pleasure. Another show that I was watching was Outlander. Oh, yeah. The last season they went to Paris and in the 1700s. And what a joy it must have been to create those sets. And the costume design is absolutely phenomenal. So any show that happens in like the 17th or the 18th century i would love to do one of those shows it just looks like a blast and and what fun for a production designer to recreate history that way yeah yeah the latest season of outlander apparently so i'm be told is shooting in south africa on the uh, sets they used for black sails because they needed some boats and black sails weren't using them anymore <laughs> <laughs> another wonderfully show that's a gorgeous looking show yeah yeah um, yeah so yeah maybe one day i'll be able to get, do one of those period shows that goes all the way back to in the centuries I, I would really like to be a part of that yeah that'd be cool all right well i uh shall let you get back to your your day thank you for spending a little bit of time just chatting about the new show i'm really looking forward to uh 13 reasons why coming on air it it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting show it is it's it's a very special show and i'm sure you'll enjoy it and i hope everybody else does as well awesome and thank uh, you so much for this time i appreciate it no problem have a good day thanks bye-bye david cheers bye so that was the interview with diane hope you really enjoyed that here's some highlights for next week on tv first up coming new series newish series i guess uh 
The Blacklist Redemption starts for season one. That's coming to Sky One on the 29th of March at 9pm. You a fan of The Blacklist? I liked it for the first so many seasons and I felt like they were somewhat stretching, <laughs> uh, a bit reaching to keep it kind of relevant and going. But Tom was a good character and I can see he's a good choice for a spin-off. So I think that was worth a look. Yeah, this is, I think, going to basically fill the gap in between the Blacklist, I think, went off air this week and is back in May. So uh, they've got a break in the US. So this is sort of designed to fill the gap in between that. Uh, so Blacklist Redemption follows Tom and um, Susan Scotty Hargraves, who is his mother, and it sort of follows the pair of them, and they've got the same sort of relationship with, that Elizabeth has with Reg. So that's the basic sort of premise of it. Slightly different dynamic, but I, I think that's going to be interesting. Certainly if you like the Blacklist, it's definitely going to be one to watch. Another spin-off coming as well, and is also so on at nine o'clock it's on more for it's on the 30th of march the day after this is the good fight which seems hugely popular because it's a spin-off of the good wife which isn't a show i watched but uh follows diane lockhart to a uh, new law firm stars the uh, rose leslie as well from game of thrones so i don't know i might give this a look but i've never actually seen the good wife so <laughs> so i don't know i'm assuming you can follow it without but uh but might be worth a look again it's possibly a kind of a, another procedural but uh, we'll see then we've got chicago justice another spin-off one this is the fourth chicago show this is coming to universal on the 30th of march at 9 p.m so it's up against the good fight it's following the legal system in Chicago. Stars Strike Back's William Philip Winchester. I like Phil Winchester quite a lot, and I loved Strike Back. Whether it's enough to make me watch this show on a regular basis, I'm not sure, but we'll see. But I'm sure if you're a fan of the Chicago series, this will be one that you want to go to. Next up, we have Carter's Get Rich, which is a new British comedy about a boy geek who develops an app that makes his family rich. Uh, it's from the makers of Trollid and Cuckoo. It's coming to Sky One on the 31st of March at 8pm. It also stars James Vanderbeek from Dawson Creek as well. Any interest in this one? I'm not sure. I don't want to get drawn in just because it's got app development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's... I mean, I think it's interesting that they've got somebody like James Van Der Veek in there, who's is a great comedy actor, despite being known for Dawson's Creek. But if you ever saw um, Apartment 13, where he played a kind of twisted version of himself, he was absolutely superb in that. So I'm cautiously kind of optimistic that this could be quite yeah. good. And I, I think know... it depends on what kind of humour they go for with it, with me. Yeah. Because some of the British comedies that go for the drier humour or the slightly mean of sense of humour that you get in things like The Aliens and stuff like that, then that's the stuff I really love. And it tends to be the Channel 4 stuff I go for. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I've never been massively into the Sky comedies as much. So I don't know. We'll see. I know Cookie's very popular, though, and Trolley's very popular. So it's And it's from the same people. So I, I, will, I will take a look at it and see what I think. Outcast is back for a second season, obviously based on the um, Skybound Image comics from Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead. Did you watch the first season of this? No, I think it was on my list and then I completely forgot about it. Yeah, I watched a few episodes of it and then kind of dropped away from it. Um, I, I kind of want to go back and watch it, but I, it didn't grab me as much as The Walking Dead did. And I had a lot of other stuff on at the time. So I, I don't know. It's Outcast is back on the on Fox on the 3rd of April at uh, quarter past 10. So I don't know. I, I need to go back and watch the rest of the first season before I start on the second. 
it's one that I feel I should really like, you know? <laughs> it's sort of down my street, but I I don't know. I just didn't grab me as much, which is a shame, but but we'll see. And Saving Hope is back for its fifth and final season on the Sony Entertainment Television Channel. That's on the 4th of April at 9pm. Uh, are you aware of this show, by the way? I've heard of it, but I don't tend to watch medical dramas. Yeah, well, you see, that was that was what I thought. I kind of looked at it, and it's a medical. I, I thought, oh, it's a medical drama. Stars Stargate's Michael Shanks, who's been in various things, but obviously he's known best for Stargate. Erica Durant, who's best known for Smallville, and uh, it's set in a Canadian hospital. And I kind of thought, oh, it's a medical drama, so fine, but probably not something I watched. It wasn't until I actually went back and and looked at it because I think I spoke to somebody who worked on it, or I I can't remember, but. I went back and looked it up and it is a medical drama, but it's based around Erica Durance's character whose husband ends up in a coma. So Michael Shanks is basically in a coma for the entire first season, but only she can see him. So she sort of sees a ghostly version of him. So it, it is a medical drama, but... It's a medical drama and a kind of supernatural drama at the same time. And okay. None of the description I, think, I feel of it. they're not selling it well if they're not pointing that kind of thing out. It's like if you just described House and just went, it's about a grumpy doctor. Yeah, it, that was the thing. <laughs> it, it, it sort of, I, you know, when I read all the initial stuff, it completely bypassed me. And it wasn't until I found out that it was renewed for the fifth season and then went back and read through and went, oh, oh, that's not what I thought it was. It's quite interesting. So, yeah, I may have to go and when the final season comes out i'm gonna have to go and find a box set of that and go and watch the whole thing because it does look like it could be quite interesting i really like both those actors as well so i i don't know but certainly if you're obviously a fan of saving hope you're going to want to watch the final season so 4th of april at 9 p.m for that on sony entertainment television that's everything for this week if you want to get in touch you can visit the website throughout the week and find all the latest air dates and uh, news and stuff if you want to get in touch with us with your questions and comments you can email podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post you can find us at geektown on twitter or on uh, facebook and youtube at uh, slash geektown or on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye take care Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.